the Jeffrey Epstein Bill Gates blackmail scandal. There's more to that story than meets the eye. And Stacey Abrams is back with a new novel, Form of Propaganda, about the FISA court. This is a Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. I want to briefly talk about the presidential announcements last week. There were two who announced that they are running on the Republican side. Tim Scott, which I think is the more interesting of the two. More on that in a minute. And of course, as I'm sure you know, Ron DeSantis, who announced his candidacy for president on Twitter Spaces, which is the first time that's ever been done. And it perfectly demonstrates how social media drives our modern reality. Not going to spend too much time on DeSantis' announcement, but did want to hit a few things that I found interesting. First, the coverage of the technical glitches. This seemed to be the main focus on all sides. And if you don't know the story, there were some technical glitches on Twitter spaces, which delayed his announcement a little bit. And the media decided that this was the most important part of the story. Fox News' interpretation of the technical glitches was that DeSantis broke the internet. That's how much of a success his announcement was. The web could not contain it. That's obviously not true. Spaces didn't glitch because DeSantis is the man. Spaces glitched because, as anyone who's ever used Spaces knows, it glitches every single time. Glitching is like the primary feature of Twitter Spaces. Everyone knows that, which is also why CNN and MSNBC's reporting of the event was also BS. Their interpretation was that DeSantis never saw the glitches coming, had no clue, and the whole thing was derailed because of these glitches, proving DeSantis to be an inept candidate because of this whole disaster. To believe that DeSantis didn't anticipate technical glitches on Twitter spaces is to believe that no one, including Elon Musk himself, informed DeSantis of the highly likely occurrence that technical problems would happen, which is almost impossible to believe. The more likely explanation is that the benefit of the attention that he'd get from announcing his candidacy in a first-of-its-kind way, that that would far outweigh the cost of the glitches happening. And I think that's almost definitely what went on there. But what was most interesting to me about the whole thing is that, for once, CNN... MSNBC and Trump all seem to be on the same side echoing similar talking points. Both, both of those networks went after DeSantis like they were trying to take him out, really. While Fox News, they pumped up DeSantis the way that they used to pump up Trump. Is that because the left-leaning networks want Trump to be the nominee for whatever reason? Whether it's ratings, he's more polarizing, maybe he's easier to beat, whatever explanation you want to put in there. That was my initial interpretation. But then again, when you think about it, the more they attack DeSantis, the more popular he will become, just like Trump did when they began focusing on him back in 2015, 2016. I'm still leaning for they want Trump in because they kind of emasculated DeSantis in, com in comparison to Trump in their coverage of it. So I don't know. We'll see in the not so distant future how this plays out. On to Tim Scott, which was almost easy to forget about his announcement in the wake of all the fuss uh, around DeSantis' announcement. He, he made his the day before. Tim Scott is the black Republican, and he also said he was running next week. And I find his to be more interesting because of the possibility that he could be Trump's running mate. 
if Trump is the nominee, and I'm going to assume that Trump is going to be that for this this story here. Maybe he's not, but it does feel like that Trump probably has it locked up. And if Tim Scott were Trump's running mate, and a lot of people have speculated that after Tim Scott announced he was running, because when he did, Trump congra- or welcomed him into the race and wished him luck, as opposed to the, the way he's been going after DeSantis. Uh, I want to know how CNN and, and MSNBC, how they specifically would cover a Trump-DeSantis ticket, because we all know how they cover Trump. And it, MAGA, racist, evil, white nationalist, white supremacist threat to democracy, which is in sharp contrast to how they talked about Scott after he announced his candidacy. I mean, even they, MSNBC and CNN, even they seem to respect and really like Tim Scott. Let me show you what I mean. Here's a quick refresher, not that you need one, on how the media portrays Trump. This is from Biden's devilish speech, and this these are the consistent themes the media has demonized Trump and MAGA for the past you know two and a half years or so, probably even longer. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards, backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. Bunch of racist white supremacists trying to take over the country, take it back 100 years, take rights away from minorities, LGBTQ, just oppress all of them. That's MAGA. That's the way they talk about them. Now, here is how the media talks about or talked about Tim Scott after he made his announcement. This is Morning Joe intern killer oozing over Tim Scott. When I see Tim Scott, I think, yeah, that's America. What an exciting story. You look at his background and you look where he came from and you look at the fact that this is a guy that excites a lot of Republicans running for president. That's really exciting. It's as exciting as, say, a guy named Barack Hussein Obama starting his campaign, running and actually becoming president of the United States, the United States of America becoming the first uh, majority uh, white country to elect a person of color as their president. This is something you see that Republicans don't understand. This is something that lovers of democracy, uh, lovers of the rule of law, believers in, I don't know, the things that actually Thomas Jefferson said that Martin Luther King quoted 60 years ago this August in the March on Washington, Abraham Lincoln used to emancipate slaves. These are things we celebrate. These are things Joe Biden celebrates. Obama-like. He is America, according to Joe Scarborough. That's a lot of praise there, which definitely raises suspicions. There's no doubt about that. Still, a lot of praise. Now here is a CNN commentator 
who I've never actually heard say a nice word about a Republican until Tim Scott made his announcement. Tim Scott is the most principled politician we have on uh, the, the the playing field out there. Joe Biden as well. But I want to I want to you notice out there. So uh, um, in the uh, the tweet here from the lead, the text actually says that is with this video. Senator Tim Scott is the most, quote, principled politician. And then it says running for the 2024 Republican presidential primary. That's not actually what he said. He said he's the most principled one in, in the field. And he didn't differentiate between Republicans and Democrats. And he kind of backtracked and threw Biden in there because he has to. That's his guy. But he clearly has more respect for Tim Scott than Joe Biden. That's evident. I talk about Tim for this moment because today is his day. He's somebody of a very, very high character. And I say that with all the honesty that I have. We disagree on policy. In fact, I think that Tim was flat out wrong in many of those statements he made. Tim's story is a phenomenal story. And he talks about this being the land of opportunity. But in that same story, he acknowledges that he himself is a miracle. So this isn't the land of milk and honey and opportunity for us all, because he himself had to be a miracle to get to where he is today because of the color of his skin. I also think that Tim brings up a unique point that we're going to have to talk about. Tim actually goes out and he acknowledges the fact, I believe, that most African-Americans are conservative, particularly in the South. They You notice how he stammered through that sentence that was leading up to most African-Americans are conservative in the South? He did not want to admit that. That's why he uh, struggled to there. They sway or have a conservative bit. The difference, though, with black Republicans is that they don't stand up to the truth of white supremacy and racism in this country. And Tim Scott refused to do that, too. I think he's a very honorable man. I think that he has the characteristics of looking forward. However, I think this this campaign is going to prove to be tough because this uh, Republican Party is the Republican Party of Donald Trump. And there's a currency of racism, whether or not they want to admit that or not. I don't know how he navigates that. Principled, high character, phenomenal story, honorable. This is quite the glowing review, but that's not all. He goes even further. Listen to this. I mean, I think so, but I think it also goes to the character and who people know Tim Scott to be. Um, look, I, Tim Scott is not going to get in the mud with Donald Trump. We have a saying in South Carolina that you get in the mud with pigs. Everybody gets dirty, but the pig likes it, right? And so he's not going to roll around and, and get dirty with Donald Trump. I don't think Donald Trump's going to do that with, with Tim Scott by any stretch. I think he's going to run a campaign, although I don't see it being successful. And I, you know, I, I tell people I love Tim Scott. I would give him a kidney. I would just never vote for him. And I think a lot of people are going to have that same opinion of, uh, of Senator Scott being a good, honorable man, just not president of the United States. Not just principled and honorable. He loves the guy so much he'd give him a kidney. This Democrat would give Tim Scott, the black Republican who could be Trump's running mate, a kidney. What happens if he joins Trump's ticket and becomes MAGA? Can someone be honorable and a racist at the same time, an honorable racist? Would he still donate a kidney to Tim Scott if he were a MAGA domestic terrorist? These are questions that I have. How would they cover this duo when they've been calling one of them evil Trump, a white nationalist trying to destroy the country, and the other one a good guy they give a kidney to, who happens to be black? Will they act like Scott is not there and continue going out after Trump in the same way? Will they say that Scott's being duped by Trump? Both of those would get them branded racist. And CNN is not Fox. I don't think they want that. 
they're already being called Fox by progressives in a lot of ways. Well, they say that he's only on Trump's ticket because he believes that he that's the only way he can stop Trump from destroying America. That's a bit of a stretch to make that claim. Or perhaps they'll just fabricate a scandal that justifies them now saying, well, I did like him, but after finding this out, I now realize, you know, that, that he's just as evil as MAGA and he's like Larry Elder. He's the uh, black face of white supremacy, as they used to call him. I think we might be getting a clue in that same vein from this new trend of stories that has emerged recently where the theme is you don't have to be white to be a white supremacist. And those are the stories of the Hispanic Nazi shooter and the guy who I think he crashed his car into a building in D.C. somewhere near the White House. He had a bag with a swastika on it or something. And that launched the narrative in the news around that. We had The View talking about how you don't have to be black to be a white supremacist. We had an article from The Atlantic reinforcing that theme. And I anticipate that we will see a third similar story that really establishes that pattern and then more talk about that. And I think that this is part of the news right now because there's also, in parallel, been news stories about the rise of the black Republican and how more African Americans are going over to the Republican Party. I think they're pumping this story out into the media because they're trying to scare black people from joining the Republican Party. I think that's part of the theme. Personally, I think the most entertaining outcome would be if Scott joins Trump's ticket and then on the day that they announce that they're going to run together, they're in front of a large crowd, Scott leans into the microphone and he comes out as gay. There's been speculation he's a 57-year-old bachelor. That doesn't mean it's true. There's just been speculation about it. That crowd would go absolutely wild if he made that announcement on that day. I guarantee you that crowd would go wild and support him. And then after the standing ovation starts to die down a little bit and the, and the cheers die down a little bit, Trump then steps over. He leans into the microphone and he announces to the crowd that he identifies as a black woman, a lesbian. He still loves Melania. He identifies as a black lesbian woman. And then he says that he's honored to be part of the first all-black, all-gay presidential ticket in American history, and that together they were going to make America great again. That crowd would lose it. The decibels, the sound, wherever they are, it'd be unbelievable. Birds would be exploding because of the sound of the cheers if that happened. So that's what I'm keeping my fingers crossed for. Donations would be through the roof to his campaign that evening. All right, moving on. There are other presidential candidates that might jump into the race. I'm not going to talk about Liz Cheney or any of that bullshit. They're just, you know, a swindle to make a bunch of money for those people, professional campaigners. But there's another candidate that, you know, there's been a little bit of talk that might enter the race, and you are going to be familiar with this name. Chris Christie. Chris Christie is considering entering the 2024 presidential primaries. And uh, all I I have to say is this. Are we really doing this again? Why are we doing this again? America is divided by a lot of things right now. But one thing that I believe that even people who hate each other the most in this country and everyone else can all agree on is that no one, not a single individual in this country, wants Chris Christie for president. I bet you can't find me one person to get up and say, Chris Christie is their guy. I'm with Chris Christie. And if they did, I I wouldn't believe it. There's some sort of compromise situation. Their families are being held hostage. 
they have, they have videos of them doing some weird Hunter Biden-like shit. And that's the only, there's no way there's a person sitting around going, man, I just wish Chris Christie would get in the race. He's the president America needs. He is the answer to all of our problems. There's nobody thinking that. Why is he running for president? I mean, the only way Chris Christie is the president America needs is if the entire country were buried deep inside of a, a, a giant continent-sized triple cheeseburger and Chris Christie had to, had to eat us out of it. Then and only then would I say Chris Christie is the man America needs. I just don't get what Chris Christie's campaign argument would be, you know? Like, like what's he going to promise Americans? Vote Chris Christie. He'll kill your grandmother. Most of you probably remember this. Chris Christie shut down an interstate for hours in the middle of the summer because of a petty feud he had with another pol politician rival of his. He shut down the interstate to get back at a political rival and somebody's grandmother died because she could not get to the hospital. I just can't believe we have to deal with another Chris Christie thing again. I don't get how we can just roll with some of these candidates for president that are just so obviously no one wants. Like Liz Cheney. What was the reasoning behind Liz Cheney? Liz Cheney lost in her district in like Wyoming. I think she lost by, it was historic, and I think she lost by like 97%. And that was spun in the liberal media because she was on the January 6th committee and she was going after Trump and they were all promoting her and loving her. Uh, that was spun as Liz Cheney loses by a historic 97% clip in the midterms, which means she is exactly the person who has proven she can beat Trump in the Republican primaries. A sex doll would get more votes in there. I guarantee you a sex doll gets right in votes. We should pick a name of one of these sex dolls these, these people work on with their mechanic stuff and try to put AI into and see if we can get the sex doll, the AI sex doll, to receive more votes than Liz Cheney. I'm, I'm going to start that campaign. I want to get more people to vote for a sex doll than they vote for Liz Cheney in the Republican primary. All right, next story. Our friend Stacey Abrams is back in the news, which she's always lurking somewhere. Stacey Abrams is always lurking somewhere. There's no doubt about that. You see her on screen there, always wearing purple also. The reason Stacey Abrams is in the news is because she's on a book tour, because she just published a new novel. As you probably know, she writes novels she has for years under the pen name of uh, Selena Montgomery. She writes romance novels, Stacey Abrams does. So some of them she writes under the pen name, some she writes under her own name. I believe this one is under her own name, but, but they are fiction stories. And she's talked about her fiction novels and interviews before, and she's talked about how she likes to write stories about characters that she thinks uh, have jobs that she would have if she were not in politics. And those jobs are usually spies. So, you know, take that for what it is. And she wrote another novel here that brings back one of her favorite characters that is based on a story ripped right from the headlines and written with insider knowledge, the insider knowledge that she has. And she is on a tour of all of the networks, except for Fox News, promoting her book, okay? But this is not the typical type of, I'm just trying to sell a bunch of copies of my new book type promotional tour that we're used to because there's a, there's a little bit more at play here. And I think that you will have no problem seeing exactly what she's really doing here 
when you hear what she has to say when she tells MSNBC here what her book's about. Just listen to this shit. I'm so excited to bring Avery Keene back to the pages. Uh, she appeared first in While Just to Sleeps, and she has a new adventure where she uncovers blackmail in the FIS the FISA courts, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Courts. The, the, the character, the book is about a character, a reoccurring character that uh, uh, uncovers like uh, problems and corruption and and strange strange happenings in in the FISA court. That's odd. I think the FISA court has been in the news recently. More on that in a second. Most people don't realize that we have the secret court that does not have to publish its opinions, which means often it is shielded from public attention. Well, so you know why most people don't realize that there's not that, that we have the secret FISA court. It's because networks like MSNBC and CNN and people like Stacey Abrams do everything in their power or have done everything in their power to make sure that none of their viewers read the Durham report, which focuses heavily on the FISA court and the abuses and the illegal wiretaps that the FBI conducted. They the, the FBI, it was real. We knew this all along, but it's laid out in the Durham report that they lied to the FISA courts, fabricated evidence around the Steele dossier, which, which was all bogus, that, that it also determined. And they did all of it. They abused the FISA court warrants so that they could illegally spy on and wiretap American citizens. Which, when they did it, turned up no evidence. This was just in the news. And now here's Stacey Abrams talking about how most Americans don't realize there's a secret FISA court. So... She is going to inform them and educate them, this audience that they actively prop propagandize to prevent them from reading the real news about the FISA court. Instead, Stacey's going to come in and inform them through her new fiction novel about the FISA court. Do you see the sophistication, I would say, of this type of propaganda? Literary works have been, for a long, long time, a primary channel of propaganda that the elites use to reach people. And Stacey Abrams is this, I mean, this is the perfect example of that fiction, novel, literary mechanism of spreading propaganda that they're so fond of. And Avery finds out that there is someone or some people who are trying to undermine not only our courts, but the infrastructure of our nation. Okay, now where do you think that's going? There's some people trying to undermine the fives of courts and the infrastructure of our nation. I wonder. It, it, I, I haven't read her book. I guarantee you, it will. The description of these villains will might as well pluck one of the the, the MAGA Trumpers, the guy with the horns on, into the story because that is what it will be. Anti-democratic MAGA Trumper. Like, so you might not say those terms exactly, MAGA Trumper, but there's no doubt that'll be. And I guarantee you, there will be an investigation going on in her novel by a Durham-like figure who is part of the bad guys who, through his investigation, he is actually attempting to destroy the court. Another Stacey Abrams news, she attended Bilderberg last week, the secretive meeting of world elites, where they get together and try to create policy that they can implement on the globe, which also happened to occur just before Henry Kissinger's 100th birthday. Kissinger, who was also there, sources familiar with information tell me that Abrams surprised Kissinger at the event, popping out of his 30-foot-tall birthday cake. They would not, however, reveal to me the song which Stacey Abrams chose for the lap dance. Next story, 
I want to talk about the Jeffrey Epstein, Bill Gates story that's been in the news this past week because the coverage, I think, focused on the wrong thing. People were very eager to make the connection of Epstein trafficking uh, sex slaves to Gates, which was not the case here. And it causes people to miss like the really interesting stuff in the story. The, the girl was not underage when Gates met her. She was in, in her early to mid-20s, so there was none of that. And, and he was not introduced to her by Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, here's the story. Epstein attempted to blackmail Gates through a veiled threat in an email that he sent Bill Gates in 2017. And Gates' spokesperson did not deny this. According to the Wall Street Journal, the spokesperson said that Mr. Gates met with Epstein solely for philanthropic purposes, having failed to repeatedly, repeatedly to draw Mr. Gates beyond those matters. Epstein tried unsuccessfully to leverage a past relationship to threaten Mr. Gates. In the email, Epstein asked Gates to pay to pay him back for money that Epstein sent a bridge player who Gates had been having an affair with to coding school. Think about that. Epstein paid for a chick whom, get, whom Gates met in 2010 at a bridge tournament to go to coding school. Keep that in mind. The Wall Street Journal also says that the sources tell, tell them that the amount in question that Epstein asked for was insignificant to the two and basically made it obvious that this was a blackmail situation here and a threat. So when we think of Epstein compromising and blackmailing people, we, we typically think of him introducing others to the girls uh, as how he does it. That's not what happened here. It appears to be the other way around. According to the Wall Street Journal, Epstein did not meet the chick until 2013, which is three years after Gates met the chick. And he was introduced to her by Gates' top advisor, a guy named Boris and Nick Nikolic, when he took her to, to Epstein because she was seeking funding for an online bridge school that she was trying to start up. Epstein did not end up funding that venture, but he did end up paying for her coding school education. Think about that for a second. Gates was a bridge player guy. Gates was a Microsoft coder guy. He was far richer than Epstein. Gates would have been a far better person to seek funding for a bridge endeavor or for coding school, yet it was Epstein who ends up funding the coding school, somebody who she didn't even meet till three years after she met Gates. Obviously, Gates could not fund anything for her because it would create a paper trail that would potentially risk exposing the affair he was having. So he had his guy take her to Epstein so that Epstein could do it on his behalf, providing Epstein at the same time with compromising information on Gates. What are the odds this is the first time that Epstein has done something like this for Gates or for anyone for that matter? There is a far deeper connection here between Gates and Epstein. There's no doubt about that. And there's probably a whole bunch of other people that Epstein has done this for. This kind of shows another way that he would compromise people. And I think it's interesting to look at things that he, ventures that he paid for and see what connections could be made when you look at it from that angle as well. It's also worth noting that this chick is Russian-born. She's a Russian national. And the way she met Gates seems highly unlikely for, for someone in their mid-20s to meet a billionaire at a bridge tournament in Washington, D.C. Seems like a pretty exclusive event for her to get into. She says that she met Gates and they were playing a match together during the tournament. And Gates beats her and she playfully kicks him in the leg and flirtatiously jokes with it. I mean, it's to me, it seems obvious that uh, uh, she's a honeypot. Of course, there's other explanations, but that should be right there at the top of the list of things that people should be asking questions about. Perhaps she had compromising information on him too that she got. Uh, during times of intimacy, and Epstein was maybe helping him out of a little bit of trouble. In fact, I would like to know what information that this this chick knows 
I want to know what else she knows about Bill Gates. Maybe she was going to the Wall Street Journal saying some of these things to put her name out there to protect herself, perhaps. Here's the most interesting part of the story that's buried in the last paragraph of the Wall Street Journal. Here's what it says. Days before Epstein died in 2019, Epstein changed his will and named Nikolic as the backup executor. The article goes on to say, Nikolic said Epstein didn't discuss the idea with him and that he subsequently declined to serve. He couldn't have listed Bill because that would have been too obvious, so he chose me. I have come to believe that it was likely a retaliatory move against Bill Gates. Ah, I don't know. I mean, it's a little suspicious there. Two days before Epstein allegedly killed himself, he changed his will and names that guy who was involved in all that. Seems to me like that's the message, like that's a clue, like that's saying you need to look deeper at these connections and you'll find more. You talk about a kill switch. Maybe this is a form of a kill switch is a, a series of clues left in your last will and, and where else. I, I'd like to know what else is in that will. Uh, I've downloaded a copy. I haven't read it all yet, but I'm going I'm to see if there's anything that looks interesting there. So this all obviously begs the question, I think, as to whether or not, if we do assume, accept the story that Jeffrey Epstein is in fact dead and wasn't snuck out of there, is did Bill Gates have anything to do with his alleged demise? There would obvious, obviously be lots of potential suspects because Epstein was not just trying to blackmail Gates, but the Gates is the one that we see obvious evidence of and we see an obvious clue in his will that he happened to change two days before he died. Gates was still married at the time. Motive means an opportunity, man. He had them all. And as I said, I'm interested in knowing what else that Russian honeypot knows. And now on to the final story of the day. Playboy has announced their newest Playboy bunny. Exciting news, right? And they don't do the, the magazine anymore. In fact, they were gone altogether for a while, but they have come back and they will be doing digital versions now online. And the newest Playboy bunny is none other than 18-year-old Claudia Conway. That's right. The same Claudia Conway who became a, a TikTok sensation back in 2020, who is the daughter of Kellyanne Conway and her recently divorced gnome-shaped husband, George Conway. And in a statement after the announcement was made, Conway said, Claudia Conway said, Now as a young adult, I'm aiming to reclaim my womanhood and femininity in a way that is truly mine. I am putting myself out there in a way that is my own and no one else's. I have full control of my body and my voice. So you might recall that as a, a TikTok star in 2020, that she uh, came, to, came to fame because the media loved her. She was a darling in the media because she spewed anti-Trump and anti-her mom rhetoric on these ridiculous videos where she would just wear bikinis and shout her father's Lincoln Project talking points. That's where we're going to wrap up the show today. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next time.